Happy birthday. Happy belated birthday. Yes, that was Monday. I don't know how, how's that happened? I don't know. Hold on, it wasn't Monday just gone. It wasn't yesterday. It was a week ago, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was a week ago. Even worse. It was a full week ago, a week ago on Monday. That was exciting. Mm. Did you do anything? No, I just took, we just took the day off. Uh, we went to, where did we go? We went to Chester, which was as thrilling as it sounds. That is an acceptable birthday celebration once you're a grown adult. What have you been up to for the last week? Week and a half. I have been, week and a half. I have been mostly working. Um, and also helping my parents get back from Italy in mostly a moral encouragement sort of way. They were stranded there for 10 days when they had to be... Uh, my mother got taken off a ship because she was unwell. They were on a cruise. And, um, then not quarantined off a ship. Of, not quarantined. They just kind of said, well, maybe you should go and get checked out at the local hospital just to be doubly sure. And then the uh, everything moved at Italian pace. And, yeah, they ended up, took them 10 days to get back home. Wow. That sounds like a thrilling way to spend a holiday. Pretty much. Yeah. I, I they all, s- were also situated in a hotel sort of far enough out of town. They didn't even get to explore the Italian town they were in. They basically <laughs> just kind of like sat around a hotel, really. So I, I had a very similar experience. I think it was a year ago. You know, in your life when you you go from being, from your parents looking after you to looking after your parents, like I had the, the watershed moment for me was about a year ago when my parents were, they went on holiday to, I don't know, somewhere in Spain. And uh, and they were robbed in their, their apartment, little villa was robbed. They, they they got their purses robbed and their passports. They got the passports back, but all the money from their wallets and purses were gone. And so I had to wire them cash out through Western Union uh, to sort of help them for the rest of the week, which was uh, a very... You are, you are the grown-up now. Yes, I'm pretty sure they did the, the reverse of that when I was uh, travelling in New Zealand. like, And I'd just spent all my money. <laughs> it wasn't that robbed. So, that, <laughs> yeah, that was... That was that. What have you been up to in work? Uh, I was tying up, tying up, tying off, killing a project, or two projects, actually. Humanely, putting down. Yes, yeah, delivering um, last week. So that was, uh, they wrapped up on Friday last week. And so there was the usual thing of at the 11th hour, the client sort of, said, I hadn't realised that this worked like this. When explicitly you'd been said, telling them. Well, then it, well, when it had been up on the staging site for a couple of months. Um, and so there was the usual last-minute panic, but that was fine. I uh, managed to get that all done, and then I started a new project on Monday, which is the usual thing of, okay, here's a, here's a code base I don't know that has been around for about five years. Let's make some all-new mistakes. Yes, all new, completely different mistakes. Let's screw this up. I like in a to do that different way. I, I like to to move on and you know leave all my past mistakes behind me, not learn anything. That's the key, and then start fresh. Never look back. It distracts from the now. I'm like a shark. I'm like a coding shark. Because you haven't got a neck. 
<laughs> says the man who lives for CrossFit. Yes, yes, something like that. Um, <laughs> on my side, more of the same. We're still planning to launch this thing at like the first end of last week in February, first week of March. And it feels like I've rebuilt the same thing about four times now. And I genuinely have. I was looking, I was looking through the code base and I don't want to say I did it wrong. I'd say I've done, I found three, re- three ways that, that don't work. So I'm on the fourth way. <laughs> so, and I'm, I'm sure this fourth way will work. You are, you are the Edison of Laravel. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was described, um, was it Andrew Wiles? The guy who did the guy who solved uh, Fermat's last theorem, he described it as uh, you enter in a dark room and you grope around and you keep bumping into the furniture. And eventually, you find the light switch and suddenly the room's illuminated and you can see the problem much clearer. And it feels like that, except in a much less rigorous and important way. I've just found lots of reasons why this won't work the way that I was doing it. Uh, it will work this time, I hope. But you found the light switch. Or are you still blending around with a pen light? No, I think I solved. I found the light switch and realised that's not going to work. Just generally as an approach, um, but generally <laughs> this new one will. This new one will. This isn't a light switch. <laughs> it's just JavaScript. It's JavaScript all the way down. Um, so that's fun. Um, I keep I keep playing with. So so a lot of the problems are to do with the WebGL rendering stuff. Um, and so, so part of the problem is I need to need to render a WebGL scene, um, and I want to render it server side when there isn't a technical device running. I'd like to so so the ideal situation would be I'd like to be able to render a a three D canvas uh, a canvas with a three D scene on a server, ideally AWS Lambda or just some headless server something somewhere as a like you know a job, uh, so I can capture a video stream from. Uh, a render. And on the surface of it, you go, yeah, I can get all the code running. But the problem becomes because the web, because the, the rendering pipeline relies on WebGL to do the actual heavy lifting, painting to pixels, drawing vertex, vertexes to screens. Um, in the context of a, of a server, WebGL just doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist. Like the, there's, there's lots of different little projects around that are sort of semi abandoned that, try and emulate the WebGL binding so it can sort of pretend the canvas and the screen exists, but it just always falls down. There's just no way to do it, reliably at least. So, and I think the whole point of it is that so, the, the rendering pipeline has to look, it has to, a captured frame from a server has to look the same as what it would do in an ideal browser. And without actually having a physical screen and graphics device on the server, it just can't be done neatly. It just can't be done. So I've got around it now, but that that was the problem, which is great fun. So I take it these. So you you have these various um, services which like t- do various browser testing, that sort of thing, yeah. uh, and they have something where they spin, essentially spin up an instance of Chrome on a server and then render it. Is it? It's the same sort of thing. Yeah. Are you doing that, or would that not well, work? That's what I'm doing now. So uh, I can you can spin up a, a Chrome a Chrome instance and you can definitely draw to the screen and you can emulate. Uh, this is the approach I'm doing. You can emulate a Chrome and then you can try and capture it from this you know pseudo Chrome instance. But the actual rendering of the scene uh, goes directly into the WebGL to f- 
which doesn't exist in the context. So you can get the whole Chrome stack, you can get the whole DOM, you can do all the manipulations of the page, but as soon as you try and draw on the canvas anything beyond like the very basics, it just falls over. As soon as you try and do anything with shaders or, you know, like texture rendering or like blend modes and things, it just doesn't work, which means 99% of the situations fail. However, the like the original test situation, which was I'm going to try and draw a cube onto the screen, works fine. So, <laughs> so that was a bit of a pain. Um, the fix now is to physically have some machines dedicated to this that are running a real version of Chrome, and we just stick them in a, in a cupboard somewhere, um, and it works. So it works effectively like you've got a virtual Chrome, except it's a real Chrome and it's on a real machine and the machine just does what you'd imagine it to do, which it's a pain. What do you need to be doing? So that's a good question. We need to render the scene and be able to capture frames in a consistent size and scale so that you can upload a scene or a timeline asynchronously through a file API and it capture the outputted frames. Um, to a video. So the idea is down the road, at the minute I'm just capturing them to use as cover images. Down the road, the idea will be I'm going to capture them at, you know, 60 frames or 25 or 30 frames a second, uh, and then render that to a video pipeline. And then you can use that as a, as a video output from a manufactured scene, um, which doesn't happen on device. Cause I did, you can, you can run obviously the video capture on device, but it takes longer than real time to run. Um, Right. which means the person has to leave their device open and don't, don't whatever you do, touch the canvas while this is running. So this is yeah. the solution, run it server side. Um, so that's what I've been messing around with. What have you been messing around with? Well, the new project has actually got some sort of um, shades of previous in that there is a file browser um, component to it. And I remember us having file endless discussions about how best to implement this architecturally and so on and so forth. Um, in this case, there are a bunch of different providers. There's um, digital asset banks, I think they're called DABs, and they um, is that connect is to digital asset banks a service or uh, an architecture? It it's a um, class of product. So it's basically I've never heard that from these people. Yeah, these people who have um, like businesses who have a, a ton of assets, whether it's images, videos, whatever else. There's this digital asset bank software which costs an arm and a leg, um, and it sounds enterprise. Yes, yes, and we need to connect to various uh, different providers, but with a consistent API from our side of things. So if somebody's coming along and they want to use this, however it's going to be bundled up, package, module, whatever, then they don't really care what's in the background. And uh, this is obviously an opportunity to encounter lots of new APIs and have the kind of, I know there must be a reason why you did it this way, <laughs> but I can't figure out what it is. That classic That's thing of, of like, uh, is there a reason, uh, are you far smarter than me? And I'm being very yes. dumb. Or have you just done this in the very wrong way? The code is exactly so the code that. is so good. It's either crazy good or crazy bad, and you don't know until six months down the line whether which which it was. 
this well you you just described the entire three d rendering in previous really yeah pretty much pretty much I just built a different type of ball <laughs> a different ball of mud but yes so um at the moment I'm trying to figure out it terminology as much as anything else so you know you have files and folders that's fine but then this one particular thing I'm working with has the concept of spaces and contexts ooh classic which, yeah spaces appear to be folders exactly the same they are a way of organizing your assets so i don't know what distinguishes them from a folder particularly and in contexts the best thing i can come up with as an analogy is like a uh, partition on a hard drive maybe but again it seems like a very i'm I, i'm sure there was a very good reason for doing this internally but the api comes across as being something that was very much developed for internal use without any input from anyone outside to say something like so how would i fetch all of the spaces that i have con- uh, have access to because they haven't got that endpoint so you've got so no idea of all the spaces spaces and contexts all running on the same yes. data yeah so basically from from what i can tell the hierarchy is at the top you have contexts and within that you have spaces and then within that you have an arbitrary depth of folders um and within a folder or at the root space you could have files okay so yeah it's it's quite a is there convoluted is there a script. permissions aspect to this as well well this is my assumption my working assumption is that there's nothing explicit to do with permissions with individual files or folders. So I'm working on the assumption that the reason they have contexts and spaces is because they went, mm, we need to make sure that somebody's got access to this thing, but not that thing. And so rather than go implementing it at the folder and file level, they decided to come up with this entire new classification of things. Because could it, is it, is it one-to-one? Is it a folder can only be in one space and a space can only be in one con? Uh, context is that the hierarchy yes. whatever the hierarchy was context uh, yes because you can imagine some very clever developers but you can share you can share um, spaces between users but I assume that's just a reference to the same thing like a virtual symlink almost yeah but, I guess oh well have fun with that Thank you. Like you're going to end that's up, like one of four. You're going to re- end up rebuilding AWS S3, and just just realizing maybe no one actually is ever going to use this, and you should have just used S3 from the get go. Pretty much. Either that, or I'll just come up with a killer dab and make a fortune from corporate sales. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you. I, I just noticed you have some stickers. Oh, I do. And the side of the brim of your baseball cap. I do. Uh, they are my That's natural. right, listeners. Joel is wearing a baseball cap. Listener. Half listener. Yes. Um, the the stickers are from previous National Trust Days Out. <laughs> oh, my God. That's like a baseball cap my mother would wear. Mm. It is. It's good. It's good. I, uh, I don't know why, but they seem to have stuck there. Well, I know why the glue. That's why they stuck there, but they yes. seem to have stayed there. 
Why did he put them there in the first place? Was I don't it know. to amuse your children? I, it probably was. It's at the angle that a child can see. Uh, which, you know, know. not, not for much longer because they'll be taller than me soon. <sighs> That's an acceptable excuse, I suppose. It is. It gets overused, frankly. It does. So outside right. of work, have you any... Inter- oh, actually, something that we d- discussed last time about podcasts. I actually... We should do one. Uh, we should do... Well, actually, I don't think... I'm not actually entirely that. sure, but, you know. I still th- I still think we should just give give recommendations on what you could be doing with your time instead of being here. Did you listen to The Memory Palace? I did not listen to The me- Hold on. The Memory Palace? The Memory Palace. Is that... This was the one I not probably not the one I recommended to you last week, but the one I've recommended to you separately, and I'm going to keep recommending it to you until you listen to it. Is it actually about memory palaces? Because I am very interested. No, well, I think it's like a, it's like it's like the, it's it's by Nate DeMeo. He's got he's got a very lovely recording voice. Hi, this is the memory palace from Nate DeMeo. Not like that. Um, and it's just, <laughs> it's just something about every every episode is just completely standalone, just about some. Something from history. It's very lovely. Very lovely. You have mentioned this before, and I recall this dis- the disappointment I felt when I realised it wasn't to do with memory palaces. Well, go on. What were you going to say before I so rudely interrupted? I was going to say that I ended up listening to um, Derek Sivers' podcast. Is that a chap who did CD, CD Baby? Is that a software one? No. Oh. It's... Just a general talking about life type thing. And you'd like this because every episode is, I think, two minutes long. Ooh, I like shorter than that. That's good. What's the name of the podcast? Um, Hold on a second. I'll grab my phone and tell you now. um, Well, you could just look up Derek Sivers, S-I-V-E-R-S. And actually, I think it's just called Derek Sivers. So, uh, yeah, I, my internet went out last night and I had a load of these downloaded to my phone. And so I ended up just listening to about a dozen of them. Ooh, they are. They are literally because they're two so or short. three minutes long. That's lovely. That's what you need to go for. Efficiency. Good, yes. good one. The opposite, the opposite of this episode. Yes, this is an uncoordinated trial run. Well, you'd think by episode 302 we'd have sorted this out, but we haven't. Um, I've started listening. I hope you counted them. Yes, I've started listening to up to uh, Side Door from the Smithsonian, which is lovely. Um, you mentioned this last time. Yeah, with so, lots of behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, and they're like 25, 30 minutes long, and which means just long enough that I can get the start of it going to work and the end of it coming back from work, which is an optimal length. I feel optimal length. Fair enough. So, do you have anything else? Nothing else. Kill it. Kill it with fire. Episode done. Done.